right, all right. We're going to pray. We're going to continue with um, engaging the wisdom of God in the marketplace. Amen. Amen. So be excited. We're going to share some truths this morning. And remember, fact is different from truths. So fact may be that you are the lowest earning person in your job. Truth is that you are the head and not the tail. So fact is what you may be experiencing that you can feel, touch, smell, hear. Truth is God's word. And truth always supersedes fact if you will let it. Amen. So we are going to pray this morning that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened. God will open up our eyes to see truth that we can use for our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful. So grateful to sit around your throne. So grateful that you are here. So grateful that you will call us your children. We are so grateful. Father, we're here. We're not the matters of this world. Matter running up and down, scurrying around the house, cooking, preparing food for Jesus. When Mary sits at his feet to hear the truths of God's word. We are the Marys. We have come to sit down. And we've come to listen and to listen intentionally. To listen accurately. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will open the ears of our understanding. And open the eyes of our understanding. And that the light of God will shine through today in Jesus' name. Let us not leave this place the same, Father. Change our lives. Change our perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, God is about to do something different in my life. With God, all things are possible. And say to that same person, all things are possible to who? Who believes to him who believes I am a believer not a doubter all things are possible to me in Jesus name did you believe it did you mean it some people are saying like oh must I look into his eyes to say yeah <laughs> you can look <laughs> you know you don't have to be married to them sometimes it's even better not to be married to the person so you can really say, because sometimes who knows what you said in the parking lot or in the bedroom that morning. And then you can and you come and it's like, seriously, I have to speak to you this morning in church? Yeah, you should have forgiven him before you walked in. Amen. Hallelujah. So today we are going to be talking about engaging the wisdom of God in the marketplace. This is our part two. Very quickly, last week, Pastor was here, and he was teaching us about growing in the wisdom of God, growing in the wisdom of God. He read to us Proverbs 2, uh, chapter 2, 1 through 9. I'm just going to take one verse, Proverbs 2, 6, and thank you for those joining us online. If you can make it into church, come into church. Don't join online, but if you can't, we love you anyways. Okay. I just wanted to smile so you don't think I'm mad at you. But if you can come to church, why not come in? Amen? Amen. Uh -huh. Hallelujah. 
So pastor spoke uh, about growing in the wisdom of God, Proverbs 2, 6, for the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. For the Lord gives wisdom out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. And he read one through nine, and he taught us so beautifully. But because of the sake of time this morning, I'm not going to do a big recap. Now, the month previous, so in February, I started this um, Engaging the Wisdom of God in the Marketplace. And we said, Engaging the Wisdom in the Marketplace, there are two things we need to be. We have to be a lover of God and a lover of peace. Thank you. Because peace is the environment in which wisdom grows. And we spoke, who was our main actor last time? Solomon was the main actor. We spoke about how God will not build his temple through David. And God waited for Solomon to be born. He actually prophesied, or David, he told David through the prophet that a son will be born to you. And he told him his name will be Solomon and he will be a man of peace. And then that man will build my temple. And from many scriptures, we realize that the best environment for the wisdom of God to flow in your home, in your own life, personally, at your job, is an environment of peace. And we actually extended it to our country, the United States. The best environment is a place of peace. Amen. So that we, I think we took care of. Before I move on, can anybody just shout out to me what touched you most about being a lover of peace, anything, anything, did you, did you get anything, anything from it, anything? Peace, 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 and wisdom, anything? You get anything out of it. Don't make me think you were one of the people who didn't come to church that day. <laughs> Nothing! Rest. Rest. And you were not even in church. She was in church because she doesn't attend this church. Not because she was playing, you know, playing hooky or and uh, Okay. Okay, so expect this whenever I teach that we will be doing a short quiz. Okay, so just go through your notes before we come. I won't recap. I'm just going to ask you, teach me back, a teach back session. Amen. So we grow in wisdom and an atmosphere of peace. What else? Seriously. No, nothing, nada, mm-mm, Say that again. It helps you deal with other people. It helps you deal with other people, yes. Okay, I'm going to allow you to go back and listen to that message because I'm not going to take time to go into it. But we did speak about peace and that being the best, best atmosphere. We did speak about who we were, that we are supposed to be for signs and wonders. And a sign is supposed to be something that is awe-inspiring. We read it in Isaiah 8, 18. Me and the children that the Lord has given me, we are for what? Signs and wonders. Sign in the Hebrew means awe-inspiring. Wonder means something conspicuous, a phenomenon. And we said in the marketplace, we are supposed to be signs and wonders. The marketplace or our workplace is where we work, where we do business, outside of the church walls, wherever we go out there and do something. That's the marketplace. And we said we are supposed to be signs and wonders. Now, I know some people have quiet personalities and they just want to hide, but the Bible says that a city that is upon a hill 
it can't be hidden. So you're going to have to shine. Amen. Now, I worked in the corporate world for quite a number of years. And in there, I found out that many Christians, you couldn't tell the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. Some, it was just simply because they didn't want to be conspicuous. They didn't want to, you know, wear their faith on their sleeves. Like they said, I always wore my faith on my sleeve. I mean, what are you going to do with me? This is just it. But um, so I would prod them and say, show up, shine, shine. You're here. Let's know you're here. You don't have to spout scripture, but we, we, we should know you're here, you know, by your pleasantness by your being able to reach out to other people. And even sometimes see somebody going through something, just say, you know, I'll pray for you. I remember one particular occasion. I was with a client and this coworker of mine, I had just met him and we worked for the same company and we were this client together. And um, he told me about something he was going through. I think he had, he was a veteran and he had this neck pain that would just not go away. So I didn't know whether it was a Christian or not. So I said, you know, I, I think I'll pray for you about that neck pain. I said, look, I, and no, it was not, it was neck pain and like a migraine. It wasn't really migraine. It was just pain, but it was near the head and the neck, and it would not go away. They'd done everything. And I said, you know, God can heal that. That's why, that's when I found out that he was a Christian, because I had been hearing him swear until then. He swore like a, like a sailor, and I'm thinking, seriously, you know Christ? Okay, <laughs> all right, this is, I'm going to pull you all out one by one. In this company, if I meet you, you're a Christian, I'm pulling you out. We're supposed to be conspicuous. And sometimes when you, it's not conspicuous by being the bad dudes in the company, you're conspicuous by just being light givers, being life givers. And before we, I was done with this young man, I had loaded him with tapes and podcasts. There was a, there was a favorite minister of mine, and I loaded him. By the time I went back to the city, the headquarters of that company, I his wife had taken over the podcast. Wife didn't work for the company. The whole family was changed by that. Their marriage was healed by that. I did nothing. I just said, I'll pray for you. Eventually, about a year ago, I met him. I said, how's that neck pain? He said, oh, it's all gone. They gave me something. I said, I don't care how God healed you, but it's gone, isn't it? Because for years, you've been dealing with this. And he changed too. His, his countenance had changed. And the way he interacted, and he was a leader high up there. In fact, we were promoted together. So I met him at the promotion dinner. And, and he, he was different. So we are supposed to be conspicuous. You are not supposed to hide. You are not supposed to be um, holier than thou, that you know, nobody can relate to you. You are, you are assistant God. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying... You shouldn't be somewhere and people don't know that you're the light. Amen. Amen. So it says, will be signs and wonders. Wonders, Hebrew, Moffat means a phenomenon. You can't hide a phenomenon. Amen. Amen. So in the, in, in, the, in the light of wisdom in the workplace, I want us to talk about what this means. And we use Solomon today. We want to talk about Daniel. Everybody remembers Daniel. Anything you know about him? Tell me anything. A man of prayer. In the, in the government, who was he? Government of his land, of where he was. Who was he? 
come on Bible study. But he, okay, he was high, right? So almost like a prime minister. He was in, there was a place where he said he was the first or the chief of three presidents. So under the king or whoever, Nebuchadnezzar and the king of Babylon and so on, he was the highest of them all. Now let's read Daniel 1, Daniel 1, 3 to 4. Daniel chapter 1, 3 to 4. And I want to put this in the context of the marketplace. Remember, we're supposed to be signs and wonders. And we spoke about Solomon being such a sign that when the queen of Sheba came, she had a jaw-dropping experience. There was no breath left in her. Just saw the whole thing God was doing with Solomon, his wisdom, his wealth, and she almost fainted. That's a sign. You can't miss that. So in Daniel 1, 3 to 4, And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they may teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. I'm going to read this in the Amplified, and then I'm going to read it in the message. I'm going to read verse 4 in the Amplified. So if we have it, let's put it up in the Amplified. This is where the kind of people this king wanted. Youths without blemish, well-favored in appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, discernment, and understanding apt in learning knowledge, competent to stand and serve in the king's palace. Let's read that in the message translation, verse 4. He wanted young men who were healthy and handsome, intelligent and well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions in the government, perfect specimens. Have you ever seen perfect, any perfect human being? Well, the king of Babylon wanted perfect specimens. So um, where are the youth? Where is Edie? Okay. So at this time, at this point in time, we found out, uh, if you read commentary or you actually do your own Bible study, Daniel was between age 17 and 18 here. So sometimes, and I heard Edie, I heard that you were teaching in your Bible group in, in high school, and he was, somebody had mentioned that young people can't have wisdom, and he had said, no, people like Daniel and so on, Solomon were young and they had wisdom. But in this case, when this king, he didn't want old people. He, he had gone, raided Israel, and brought the nobles, so kings. So he was asking for princes. He was asking for the children of nobles, and he wanted men that could come and stand. And he had a, not yet the job description, but a description of the kind of people he wanted youth. And at this point, Daniel and three other Hebrew boys, they were about 17, 18. That's how old they were. These people were supposed to stand. Is Nate there? Yeah. So that's your age group, isn't it? Okay, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. So this, that's why I like to have youth in church. I know we have a youth group for them and so on, but I really like to have them in church sometimes, in the older people's church, because 
many things that we feel they shouldn't know, God used people at that age. David was 17 when he was anointed to be king. Amen? So our children are not too young to handle. Our children are not too young to handle the things of God. Don't put them aside when you're going to Bible study. Don't leave them at home. If you are still raising young kids, don't leave them at home. Don't take them to football practice on Sunday. There is no football practice that is so important that on Sunday they will not be in church. Let them join another team or change the sport. Look, you can say, well, you don't know. I understand. I've raised two now, so I know. And I raised them in America, so I know. They don't have to go for sports on Sunday. And when we had to have literal midweek service, Christine was the guinea pig. If you want to know guinea pig, you know what a guinea pig is? Yeah, she, she will bring all her books, and we used to live so far from church. She will bring all her notebooks. She will sit down there, listen to every single thing that needed to be said in a midweek service Bible study. Then, when, um, us being the pastors, we would still have to be here. So she would go to one room and start doing her homework. She did go to Princeton, and now she's, still, she's in Mayo Clinic Medical School. It doesn't get better than that. So don't tell me, don't tell me that, oh, my kids won't do well. They have to, no, no, no. They can be in the best places. They can be in the best schools. They can be, but you don't compromise. There are some things you don't compromise. And that's why, as we look into this, you're going to see. Being a lover of God and being a lover of peace, two requirements to succeed and to have wisdom in the marketplace. Never, for people still raising children, never put your kids aside. They can handle it. It's not when they're a teenager that you're going to now rush them and pull them by the air and say, come, come, come to church. Did you not hear, Pastor T, say, come to church? No. You should have been doing that since they were three years old. Since they were six months, they should have been coming. You keep them, sit them down there, shut your mouth, listen to the word. Oh, mom, I want to, no, no, there's no mom. Don't mom me. You sit your butt right down there and you listen to the word. That's how it's done. They don't pay rent. Uh-uh. They're not paying for their clothes. They live under your roof. You get to tell them what to do. Amen. Amen. And when they go to college, you may be paying still, so you still get to tell them what to do. The day you stop paying, but until now that I'm still paying, no, I know. You will sit down there and you will listen. That's how we do it. It's not different. People do this in Africa, people do this in Asia, people do this in Europe, and the kids do well. Amen. Amen. So let's look at the eight qualifications that was given in Daniel 1, 3. They must be princes, these kids or this youth that the king wanted to stand before him in his palace. They must be princes. That's one of the things that was very odd. You go, you raid a country, bring all their people. Now you want their best. I have found out that the world wants kingdom's best, the best. So we are, by default, the best. 
not because of schools we went, but because we are children of the King, of the Most High. We have God's DNA in us. And if we play our cards right, and that's just using that metaphorically, if you do what is right, you walk with the word of God, you will see that literally you will be the best. The world wants the best. And there comes a point in time, if there is a problem that needs to be solved, and you are the only one who has the solution, guess what? Your skin color no longer matters. Your accent doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't matter. If you are the only one with the solution. It starts to matter when there are many people with that same MBA degree. Everybody has that same degree. There is no dis nothing to distinguish you. Then I can decide, do I want a man or a woman? Do I want a Caucasian or uh, um, a Hispanic person? Do I, you know, at that time, because everybody is on the same level playing ground. But when you are the only one who has a solution, guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I've seen companies ship boatloads of people from India to come and work in the United States. Why? Because there's nobody to fill the job. At that point, even when they come in, many of them, you can't hear what they're saying. Their accent's so thick. But guess what? When they get on that computer and start to code, your eyes just start to spin like this because there's, nobody can do what they're doing. So they want the best. They must be princes. They must be youth. Again, they didn't want 25-year-olds. They want 17, 18-year-olds. They must be without blemish physically. They're looking for the fine dudes and dudettes. Okay? They must be handsome, good in appearance. They must be well-educated, skillful in wisdom. See, he wanted people in his palace. So there, there's, there are leadership qualities and qualifications being read out here. It's, this is not just for the corporate world. This is what the world has wanted since King Nebuchadnezzar 3,000 years ago. This is what the world has wanted. The best. Well-educated. So the fact that you're a Christian does not mean you shouldn't go to school. Now, we're going to talk about the place of supernatural, uncommon wisdom and education. How, what's the difference? And does God work with them? But he wanted people that were well-educated, skillful in wisdom. They must be skillful in knowledge. They must be proficient in the sciences. Then, number eight, they must be refined and polished so that they're able to stand before kings. Amen. Leadership. Leadership. This is leadership. Anywhere I go, anywhere I have been, if you want to be in leadership, if you want to be at the top, remember when you say, I am the head and not the tail? Remember when we said there is fact and there is truth? Okay, the fact is, yes, I am on the lowest rung in my world at business or wherever. That may be the fact. But the truth is, in, in, in the word of God and in the spirit, I'm the head and not the tail. Now, to now translate that spiritual truth to physical fact, where you're at the top of the music industry, you are the top in the arts. You are the top in sciences. You are the top in NASA. You are the top. Make it a physical reality. You are the assistant to the highest person. You know, to move it from I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only, not beneath. You know how we stand here and give it to me and we shout it out and we, okay, to move it from there to here. 
it says that you need to be refined and polished. It says you have to be proficient. So there are leadership qualities, and those leadership qualities don't change. It's the same anywhere you turn. It didn't say, though, you have to speak a certain language. No. And it didn't say, you notice it didn't say you had to be a skin color. But there are just baseline leadership qualities. Baseline. We need to aspire for those. Amen. We need to aspire for those. One day I want to walk into our church. And right from the parking lot, I want to see a Rolls Royce there. I want to see a Mercedes Benz there. Now, it's not because if you don't have that kind of car, you're not a child of God. You are, you are a child of God, bona fide child of God. The reason you have a Rolls Royce, Mercedes Benz, and all that is not because your tithe money, you stole it and went and bought yourself a Mercedes Well, No, it's because you had surplus. You have already given to missions. You've already given to the kingdom. You've given to the poor. You've given to the needy. The leftover is still sitting in your mind, and you say, why not, if not? Let's go. Let's go to the parking lot. What do you need? What do you want? You call your wife and say, come, baby. What, 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 hey, what, what, what do you want drive? Alexa. Alexa's the gold version or which color? I want all black. All black? Oh, look at that girl. She knows exactly <laughs> what she wants. <laughs> A black Lexus. Any kind of trim, leather trimming? Yes. Peanut butter. Oh, look at her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But that's not with her tithe money. That's leftover. Usually you're able to do that when you are the top of whatever it is you're doing. Because you have leftover. And the world knows exactly what it is looking for. So we're talking about the wisdom of God in the marketplace. Let's not kid ourselves. There is something that has to differentiate you for them to want to put you. It's not magic. You can't do the job. I've, had to, I've been in conversations where people are promoted before. Whether you're a child of God or not, you are my sister in the Lord. If you can't do it, it will be really wrong for me to insist that they should promote you. You know, that's not fair. They say favor is not fair. But in this case, I really want you to be able to do the job, you know. <laughs> I don't want to put you there and then you can't. And they said, Tino insisted that they should put it. Now she can't do it. No, I want us to be able to, I want to say, oh, Put him there, but then he really can get it done. To do that, though, you have to exert yourself. To do that, you have to kind of move out of the shadows and go to where this thing is being done. Amen. Amen. So see the qualifications of leadership, of people who sit in the palace. The Bible says that the gift of a man makes room for him. He puts him before kings and not before mean men, before kings. But we've already seen the qualities now that the king is looking for. It's not different in corporate America. It's not different in healthcare. It's not, these are the same qualities, maybe not necessarily looking at your parents, but maybe, but they're still looking at somebody who's skillful. If I am a nurse and I want you to make, I want to make you the, or I'm a nursing administrator, I want to make you the nurse manager. If I want to make you the nurse manager in the ICU, I want to trust that you will not kill all the patients. <laughs> Am I talking Greek here? Skillful. I want to actually make sure that you've got the skills. 
I gave you one patient, you were able to handle one patient. Well, nurse manager, you're kind of looking over the whole unit. So that's not one patient. Um, you are looking over maybe there are 10 or 15 units in that intensive care unit. And I gave you one, you did well. Then you were supervisor, you were able to handle three, four, six. Now I want to make you over the whole unit. It makes sense. It's not magic. But it takes the anointing of God to make you not have to go each rung of the ladder. So there is acceleration. There is a spiritual accelerator. That's what we want to talk about. You don't have to do one plus one equals two. I want to do one plus two equals 50. Yeah, because it would take me 50 years to get to where I'm going if we were to do it the way the world does it. Amen. Hallelujah. So they says they want... He wanted these people who were good prospects for leadership positions. That skillful actually in the original means ability to understand wisdom, ability to acquire knowledge, to attain knowledge. Not necessarily that they knew it all. So for example, you are there at work. One of, and I keep asking brothers and sisters, don't do this. Don't hide. So we're talking about the workplace now. I know we're in church, but can we speak like really frankly? There are things needed to be done. There are things that the boss is dealing with. He wished there was somebody who could take this load off him, help him handle it. Even, even if he had the time to handle it, he, he didn't have, he just doesn't have the wherewithal or the know-how. You don't know it too, but what you have is, a, is an anointing. That's the wisdom of God. What you have is an anointing that he doesn't necessarily have because he doesn't subscribe to the kingdom of God. That anointing makes you of quick understanding. Quick, quick, fast. They give it to you. You learn it overnight. I personally, one of my promotions that came to me at work, it was this thing the whole company was dealing with. And my group, my organization within the company, had no clue what to do with it. Everybody was stumped by it. So I was looking for promotion. I wanted to be promoted. But I was doing what everybody was doing. So nobody wanted to promote me. And I said, no, no I'm not here to come and mark time and to be dancing and fly here, fly there. No, that's not why we're here. <laughs> we have a purpose. We are going to the top. That's how we're doing this. But I looked around everything Everybody was doing the same thing. So there was no reason to promote me. I was doing, and later on, as I understood how the corporate world worked, I realized, why do you promote somebody who's doing what every other person is doing? Doesn't make sense. So I saw this problem. It was a big problem. And I said, Lord, I can do that. I had no clue. I didn't go to school for it. If I had to deal with numbers, in the natural bear me witness, I'm the worst at numbers, worst. I only know two phone numbers offhand in my life right now as we speak, my own and my husband. I don't know my children's number. I hate numbers. I, I can't deal with it in the natural. But everybody was stumped by this. So I said, oh, I'm going to take this on. So I wrote to the senior vice president of my team and I said, I'm going to do this. And as I was writing the proposal, the Lord started telling me what I would do, how I would train people, how I would train clients, how, and I did it all. Then I went for certification. As I, the minute I got there to do the certification, 
I said, Lord, <laughs> you better be the one doing this. Numbers, numbers everywhere. I said, numbers. <laughs> Honestly, if you leave me here and you say, what's well, five plus two? I can do that with seven. Make the numbers get bigger. It is my working calculator. I just tell you, come, what do you, add it for me very quickly because honestly, I just don't like numbers. There was one day I was with a client and I was with, with them. I was talking to him and he asked me for my phone number, my work phone number. And I'd worked for that company for about a year. And um, I didn't know it. I knew it, but I would mix the numbers. I would put the six where the two was or two where the six is. He said, you have dyslexia. I said, I reject that in Jesus' name. I do not. <laughs> I couldn't remember my own phone number. How in the world am I supposed to do this thing that the whole company is stomped by? The whole multi-billion dollar company is stomped by. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I went and did the certification. The pass mark for that certification was 70. I got 70, 70. <laughs> but you know what? I got the certification. <laughs> so then I went to my boss. I said, I have the certification. Give me this. I'm going to do it. Because nobody else was interested. Nobody else knew anything about it. They made me the service line leader. Ah, I said, thank you, Lord. Now, what do I do? I started studying. I started reading articles. And suddenly... I got so engrossed in this. It has made room for me in the highest places in that realm, in this country, as we speak. As we speak. He will make you of quick understanding. This is the wisdom of God in the marketplace. I did that. I was promoted. There was no argument. I did not beg for promotion. Up. Quick understanding. Don't hide wisdom of God in the marketplace. Pick the hardest things that nobody has an answer for. Lay your hands upon it and speak over it. And say, I can do all things through Christ. I am a solution for this. And when you are a solution for a problem, guess what? Everybody wants you. Everybody wants you. If you leave that place, everyone is crying. So, what am I saying? The wisdom of God, it doesn't all end here. And the pastor lays hands on you and you are anointed and you walk away. That's not what the wisdom of God is. The Bible says the gifts of God are given for every man to profit with. To profit with. It's an anointing. It's a garment. Kelly, come here. Please. I know that glass is so pretty. I won't take it all off. Turn so face the camera and those who are at home who should be in church by at home. So let's say I take this off. I, I'll keep it on. So I don't show. You know, we all hide different things when we do. So I'll keep it on. So I take this off. Let's say my power. Remember Samson and his hair? Remember Samson and his hair? When Samson's hair grew long, he was able to do. When he cut off his hair, he was powerless. 
This is the garment the child of God goes in the spirit to walk with. Don't go yet, baby. Please let me use this. So this is a better one. So keep that. Let's see, this is just for you. If you go and leave your wisdom garment at home, you are just like every other person. Everybody is stumped by every problem. But if you go and you take the uncommon wisdom of God, you wear it, nobody can see it. Nobody can see it. But you can do what others can't do. You become a phenomenon. Everywhere you go, people are one. Can I have her in my team? But they can't see it. So you have to make sure you activate that wisdom. This is not the one you went to school and is in your noodle. Uh-uh. This is the one you get in your closet, you pray in the morning, and there is a garment placed on you. And you walk in there, and you're a solution to problems. And when you're a solution to problems, everybody wants a solution. Nobody wants in the meeting, you are the only one always complaining. Well, I don't know why our managers will not do this. I don't even know what the directors of this company are doing. The vice president, they just earn money, 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 money. We are the ones doing the work. Nobody wants people like that. Nobody wants people like that. I want a solution person. If I have a team, I want to hire people who are smarter than me. Yeah, I can manage the team, but I want people who can help me, get me to where I'm going. The more you are a help, the more you are a solution giver, the more you are wanted. The more you have jobs. You will have 10 jobs, you won't know which one to choose. And child of God, money still till today does not drop from heaven. That solution that you are bringing, is there are, there are dollar signs attached to it. And if where you are, you keep doing it and they will not pay you what you are worth, guess what? You are so marketable now. You just step out. You just step out. At that point, nobody can determine your destiny. Because everybody wants you. That's why I tell everybody, if I'm mentoring, I'll tell you, you have to get some skills. Um, the kind of skills you have, you don't tie it to the company. Don't tie it to the company. Tie it to God. Ask him, where am I supposed to be going next? And then let him build you up. So that for any reason, there's recession. For any reason, they're laying people off. You just need to step out of the door. And you have 10 laid out for you. Amen? Amen. Say, I am a solution. solution. Going somewhere to happen. Because I carry the wisdom of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. You're so pretty, girl. Oh, that's one of the people the king wants. Amen. You know, no blemish, just, just, just pretty. Uh, well, let me not go there. Amen. Amen. So, but to have this, you have to be a lover of God. So just one more point I'm going to make before we close. Daniel 1.8, or, yeah, let's read. Let's read from 6. You know, the king had given the kind of people he wanted. He wanted, we listed eight things. And then um, the eunuchs went out to look for this among the children of Israel. 
And when they got there, they found Daniel. So let's go to Daniel 1.6. Now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. We call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's their um, Babylonian names. Remember those three Hebrew boys that were thrown in the fire? These are the same boys. But this was the, the beginning of their journey in this country. So Daniel 1.6, they found Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and many other princes. Verse 7, the eunuchs gave them the name Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and even gave Daniel Belteshazzar. Verse 9, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. One of the things I want to say quickly, it's not part of the wisdom message, but I wanted to say, if you ever need promotion or if you ever need a moving forward, one of the things that is key, I have never seen it happen in our own life, in our own family, promotion without favor. Favor. Guess what? As a child of God, you already have it. You don't even have to pray for it. You already have it. Because it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow. The real Hebrew translation there is, goodness, favor will chase you down and overtake you. It's just that you don't activate it and use it. That's why when we say it here, I say it boldly. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. It will chase me down. It will overtake me. Favor. Everywhere there's going to be an opening. Everywhere there's going to be a moving forward. Everywhere there's going to be a promotion, there's going to be favor. God is going to put somebody somewhere that will not sleep, that will not rest until they open the door for you. Every promotion I've gotten has been that. It has been like that. I'm never really qualified for it, but somebody puts their foot in the door and won't let it close. You got to get her, get her there, and they will fight and fight, and I will be at home not knowing what's going on. I can use, for example, Christine when she was going to Princeton. When it was around this time, so this was like March, so yeah, just before, I think she did, is it, remind me, is it early, early, not early decision, what do they call that thing? Where you are not committed to go there, but you, you want to go, you, uh, early what? Early action. She did early action with Princeton University. In fact, she was the first person in her high school that ever went to Princeton, ever. And that's a very good high school. And I don't know any other person who's gone since then, not seven years ago. Um, when she did early action, the result came back. And they said, what do they call it, deferred? The, you say, I don't even know any of this. I'm so village, I'm so bush, I'm so country. I don't know any, I, God just puts me in this place where I don't really belong, but I'm there anyway. So, so, so they gave her, what do you call it again? Deferred action, deferred decision. Huh? Deferred what? Okay, they just deferred, they deferred, whatever they were deferring, they deferred it. So they didn't give her the admission. And even we were just by faith putting her in every Ivy League, you know? We are from the village, but we just put her there. Because, I mean, you just put her there. If you don't put her there, what if the Lord wanted to put her there? And then you didn't apply. So we applied. So, so then they gave her deferred. 
And we didn't know what, so we, we said, okay. Now there was one school running after MIT, was running and they gave her, that one flat out gave her. But she's not really an engineering person, you know. So deferred, so deferred. So eventually March comes and all the results come in and she got admission with different places, but Princeton gave her. And we fell on our faces in the living room. I have this thing when I'm overwhelmed by God, I put my forehead to the ground and I say it in my language, Momori Ballet, that is I bow down and I worship and I'm going like that. I forgot it completely whether I went, I'm educated or not. At this point in time, I'm just really raw. I'm just going like that. I bow down. I wash. Everybody in the house was just bowing down, worshiping because we knew it was a very good school. That's all we knew. We didn't know anything. We didn't know. That's all we knew. Okay, so she gets it. So we, we went there and we were walking around. And when we got there, one man walked up to us and said, Are you Christine Tadeshe? Are these her parents? We said, Yes. He said, I was the one who insisted that she must be admitted to Princeton. And he fought and fought and fought. We never knew him, we've never met him, and we've never seen him since then. Same thing happened to her when she was going to Mayo Clinic Medical School. Same thing, one person will not rest in fact, she told us a few weeks ago how she went to dinner, and somebody said, this is the Christine we've all been hearing her saying, girl, who do you know? When do you know? <laughs> 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 who do you know? Because we know nobody. <laughs> you know how if your father is the maybe senator or somebody, we are just humble servants of God. But he puts favor there. Yeah. Every promotion I personally have had, Favor. If pastor were here preaching this message, he would tell you more. Favor. So when he says, Daniel 1, verse 10, or no, was it, which one? Was 9? God had brought Daniel into favor. Anytime you see favor, know that promotion is around the corner. It's just about to happen. Anytime you are hitting your head, pushing, trying, Girl, God hasn't worked. Leave that one alone. There's another one. Brother, when you're trying with your whole arm, pushing, it doesn't take God anything. It's not the qualification. It's the fact that God has determined you're going there and he's going to make sure there's an angel there. And favor will open the door. Now, when the door opens, wisdom will keep you and take you up. Favor will open the door. Many people have had favor and messed it up. You walk in there and it's just like, seriously, you don't even deserve to be here. Now you are here, you are messing up. Come on, straighten yourself up. And It's the wisdom of God that now determines how you do there. And every child of God has that uncommon. It's uncommon. It's not the kind of wisdom people get. It's uncommon wisdom. Amen? Amen? So God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. He'd never met him before. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, 
Um, I fear my Lord, the King, who has appointed... Um, okay, okay, so remember in one of the verses before then, they had apportioned them food to eat, wine to drink. This was 17, 18-year-olds. To kind of feed them, train them for three full years. So they were almost in like a school to get them ready for this high placement. And Daniel looked at the food. He and the three Hebrew boys looked at the food and said, no, we will not be eating this. We will not be drinking this. We cannot do this. And the eunuch, who's over it all, said, um, I'm going to have my head taken off my shoulder. You have to eat this. And Daniel said, okay, watch. Give us a week, no food. Don't, we don't eat that. Just give us just a few vegetables and just a vegetarian diet and water and give the others. Compare our complexions the way we look. If we look worse, then we'll eat it. So as a proof point, it was obvious they were doing better. The eunuch let them continue. But there was something that struck me here. Why? Why did he say no? And that's the whole premise of our teaching today. Apart from being a lover of peace, you have to be a lover of God. In the workplace. Oh, I know how hard it is. I know how your speech changes. I know suddenly things that you feel is not fake talk, you start to say so that you don't stand out. But remember... You are supposed to be a wonder, a phenomenon, a conspicuous one. You are not supposed to melt in. And I know the pressure. So when I was in that particular job I was telling you about, in the evenings we'll take clients out to drink, to for dinner. I mean, talk of very posh places. I have the food spread out, um, wine, bar open, and everything. Well... Based on my faith and based on what I have determined the word of God taught, and I've been like that since I was little, I don't drink. This is just it. No wine, nothing. Now I'm here. I'm supposed to wine and dine a client. So I quickly found out two things. I asked for Diet Coke and put a slice of lemon so it looks kind of funny. And then I asked for sparkling water and put a slice of lemon. Lately, I found out I could even add cherry to it. So it looks like I have. <laughs> After all, I didn't even care. It's like, no, oh, I don't drink, I don't drink. And that's it. Now, that's what I was trained in the word of God. And you can't make me change. And I believe there are maybe a few things I could have been, promotions I could have had if I was willing to do that and I didn't get, but I just couldn't do it. I can't change because you are promising me something. Daniel could not. And one thing Pastor taught us last week, the fear of the Lord, it is the beginning of wisdom. It is the foundation of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Whether my pastor is there with me, whether my fellow Christians from church are there, I am who I am in church at home. I have to be true to the word of God. Fact may be this, but the truth of God never changes. I'm going to follow the truth of the word of God. 
And the Bible says promotion does not come from the east or from the west. It comes from the Lord. He is the one that sets some up and is the one that brings some down. It is not whether I'm able to change. I can't swear because you all swear. I have some friends, colleagues that swear like sailors. They are worse than my male colleagues. I'm like, seriously? Can you please not? Oh, they say, oh, Tino is here. Let's go. Yeah, Tino is here. You, you can turn it down a bit because my ears are hurting. Can you stop that? Because I still understand you. You're speaking English. Yeah, we don't need to put in a few Fs here and there and bumps here. and Just speak plainly. I, I still get it. So when they're around me, they don't do it. Then after a while, they say, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. There's no excuse. Why did you say it in the first place? Just speak. I, I understand English. I don't need the extras. And some of them are Christians. They swear more than the non-Christians. Why? Because they want to fit in. No, you say no to those things. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You don't have to twist or change and turn yourself into a pretzel because you feel you want to belong. The youth, especially, are under that pressure. But I used to think, what do you call that youth? Um, peer pressure. I've never seen peer pressure until I started working in corporate. America. Oh, my goodness. It's like, seriously, all of your 50-year-old self, you are still doing peer pressure. It's like, seriously, when are you going to grow up? Get your act together. If he doesn't like you, well, sorry for him. You're here anyway. No one's going to fire you because you're not cursing. The fear of the Lord, the foundation of wisdom. God has to know that you're all out for him. You don't change in different shady places because other Christians are not there. Then you twist yourself. No. Uh-uh. You don't do that. You are as straight as an arrow. You are a child of God. No excuses. It is what it is. Deal. And you know what? You can't even fire me. I'm here. And you can't fire me until the Lord says it's time to... Honey, it's time to move. All right, Lord, where are we going next? You can't even take me out of the place because the promotion did not come from you. It came from the Lord. So why will I twist myself into a pretzel? Oh, my goodness. Four-letter works. Everything falling from the sky is like, stop. You know, it's like, just stop. You don't need to do all that. Don't change. Don't change. Be the light. And then let God back you up with supernatural wisdom like you've never known before. Now wherever you go, they're calling your name. It has nothing to do with these things we all try to do. You, you, you suck up to the boss, suck up to this one, suck up. Daniel said, no, I'm not doing it. We would, 
And you know, there was a time they told all of them to bow down and worship the king. He said, no. Did they put him in the lion's den? They did. did he die? No, because God, God had a personal interest in him to use him as a sign and a wonder. You know, straighten your shoulders. You are the child of the king. Come on. You belong to God Almighty. You are a prince. You are a princess. You are a king. You don't have to reduce every standard. Stand up and be a witness. Don't go everybody's eating and then you close one eye, everybody's eating lunch. You close one eye and this is, amen, start eating. Either you pray now for God to pray over your food or you are praying. We are either praying we're not mumbling. So that nobody knows you're praying over your lunch. Where are the one who put you there? Well, if you don't pray, don't pray. But if you are going to pray, let's hear you pray. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, where were you? Continue with the conversation. Be bold. The righteous shall be as bold as the lions. Be bold. Come on, stand up. Be the light. Be who God says you are. And see if the Lord will not move heaven and earth for you. Just for you. The wisdom that comes from above. Next week when we talk about this, we're going to talk about how we download that wisdom. But no, it's a garment. It's an invisible Garment, amen. amen. So let me give you these two scriptures just for you to hold in your back pocket. Psalm 75, verse 6. Let's read that in King James. For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. So be bold. Nobody can demote you if God has promoted you. And the second one is 4 Samuel 2, 4 Samuel 2, 7 and 8. 4 Samuel 2, 7 and The Lord makes poor, the Lord makes rich. He brings low and lifts up, verse 8. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifts out the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. I don't care where you are today. The Lord can catapult you. You must desire it. You must fulfill the qualifications. And you must walk in supernatural wisdom. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Did you get anything? Amen. We will have a quiz next week. So don't you be coming and looking blank when I said, what did you get from it? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Affirm who you are in Christ. Affirm who you are in Christ. I am the child of the king. I am the head and not the tail. I belong to God. I have favor surrounding me, chasing me down. 
I have the favor of God walking in my life. I can't fail. I'm above only, not beneath. I'm ahead, not behind. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out. The light of God is upon my tabernacle. The wisdom of God fills my heart. I am the righteous. I am as bold as a lion. This is who I am in Christ. Whatever I lay my hands upon to do, prospers. I am the blessed of the Lord. I am favored. This is the time to favor Zion. The set time has come. The doors are opening unto me in high places. The Lord is raising me from the dunghill and he's setting me among the princes, among the leaders of the nations, the people whom I do not know serve me. A nation whom I do not know serves me. I'm the head. I am the head, not the tail. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all that you've given to us. Princes and princesses of the Most High King, let your word sink in. Let it change our lives, Father. We give you praise, O oh God. We receive this word. We embrace it. We hold on to it. at home and those who will watch later or listen later we thank you Heavenly Father in Jesus name